Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're, we're going through... Matthew chapter 13, I've entitled this section, The King's Teaching by the Sea. This is happening while Jesus was teaching by the Sea of Galilee. And it's really a series of parables. We spent the last four weeks looking at the parable of the sower. Today we're going to look at another parable Jesus gave, and it's the parable of the wheat and tares. The wheat and tares. And it's an interesting parable. We're going to read it here in a moment. But really what it talks about is our world, the world around us and the people who are in it. And it's really good for us to be refreshed to see how Jesus really categorizes the world and what he says about the world. And why is it good for us to do that? Well, the fact is, is you and I have assumptions. And our assumptions are not necessarily right. How we operate and the way that we think in the world in which we live in and as we interact with other people are not necessarily right. You say, okay, what are those assumptions, George? So let's look at that first assumption. First of all, we've adopted the cultural mindset where everyone goes to heaven. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that especially in the last 10 or 15 years, 20 years actually. It's, it's, it's getting more and more pronounced where people think that everybody's going to go to heaven, whether they go to church or not. And let me just stop for a moment. Let me qualify what I'm saying here. Going to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. So it's not a question of whether or not they went to church, but the assumption is is that everybody's going to go to heaven, except, I'll put some exceptions in there, unless you're a mass murderer or you belong to ISIS or you're some terrible dictator somewhere. Those people are going to hell. But everybody else is basically going to make it. Now, why is that true? That's true because we basically think that everybody is good. Everybody is inherently good, and they were born good, so therefore everybody's going to make it. Now, when we say that everybody's good, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes wrong decisions, and they face the consequences of that but eventually everybody's going to make it. And that's the assumption. And, and it's actually scary to me as I interact with families over these many years now to find that that's a pretty prominent viewpoint of a lot of people who come to church, who call themselves Christians. They think that everybody's going to make it. Now here's the other thing I want you to see about these assumptions. We've lost our understanding concerning the nature of the world. How we end up where we think that everybody's going to make it is because we've lost a biblical, notice I said that, a biblical understanding of the nature of the world. It's not George's understanding. It's not some preacher's understanding. It's a biblical understanding. We've lost the biblical understanding of the nature of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just because George said that, not that it's what the Bible says. And we're going to see exactly what Jesus says here. And folks, it's Jesus saying it here in this parable. It's not George saying it. I'm just bringing it to you. 
And the fact of the matter is, is when we come to this concept that everybody's going to make it, it's because we've lost a biblical understanding of things. Now that is going to affect us in a lot of ways. And we're going to talk to you later. See, if you've embraced this concept where everybody's going to make it, that's going to affect how you are with people around you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the message. So let's look at this. Let's look at this parable. It's the parable of the wheat and tares. It starts in verse 24 and goes through verse 30. And then once again, Jesus gives the explanation a little bit later. We're going to see the explanation in verses 36 through 43. So let's look at this together. A parable is a story using everyday activities of life to communicate a spiritual truth. And the meaning of the spiritual truth is not necessarily obvious. And so sometimes Jesus has to explain it because some people just flies over their head. So look at verse 24. And another parable he put forth saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. And the servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest and the time of the harvest. I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. All right, now notice now the explanation. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into a house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in a fire, so will be the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, stop. Notice he finishes this parable again with that statement. You've got ears to hear, listen, and think about what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying here. So here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this parable and we're going to break it up into two sections. We're going to see the world's makeup. He's going to talk about the nature of our world. What's the world made up of around you? And then he's going to talk about the end of the world. He's just going to briefly mention the judgment. And we're going to talk about that as well and what happens there. Now, why are we doing it? Why is Jesus doing that? Because he wants you to understand 
the nature of the world around you. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When I say the nature of the world around you, I'm not talking about the mountains around here with the trees on them and the snow outside and the birds and the deer and the turkey. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the nature of the people around you. Now, why is it important for us to have an understanding of that? Well, if you have the assumption that everybody's going to make it, you're really not going to really be paying attention to people around you and really being concerned for them. Oh, you might be concerned to a problem that they're going through, but you really don't have a deep concern for them. And that's what happens when you do not understand the nature of the world. But when you understand where people are really at and that they belong to, well, let's look at what it says here. Look at the makeup of the world. Notice with me verse 38. The field is the world, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Here's what Jesus is saying. is Our world is made up of two types of people. Two types. You say, well, you know, wait a minute, George, hold on a second, because there are different types of people. There, there are people who have a German background and people who have an Italian background and, and people who have, who have a Slavic background or people who have a French background or people who have an African, Amer African background and, and there are people who are just plain mutts. They're a mixture of all of that. Throw them with a little Cherokee in there. So that's where people are at. No, I understand that. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus breaks it down to even more simpler terms. He breaks it down that there are two types of people in this world, period. And it has to do with where they're at spiritually. It has to do with where they're at spiritually. Jesus sees things on a spiritual plane. We view it in based on ethnicity or economic or social status. Jesus sees everything from the perspective of a spiritual status. And he says the world is made up of two types of people. And here's what I want you to see. You're either a child of the kingdom or a child of the wicked one. Let me say that again. You're either a child of the kingdom or a child of the wicked one. And I think when we assume that everybody's going to make it, we lose sight of that. But the fact of the matter is, is I want you to understand me. You either belong to God or you belong to Satan. Now let me just stop for a moment because I'm going to have to put to death some cultural thinking concerning this whole issue of belonging to Satan. Usually when you talk to people and you'll say to them, well, you know, you don't, know, you don't go to church, you don't belong to Christ, you haven't been saved, you belong to the wicked one. They say, oh, wait, wait, wait now, hold on. I didn't sell my soul to the devil. Now, where they get that from, can I be honest with you, is from contemporary thinking. It even goes back a couple centuries to a German writer named Goethe who wrote about Faustus or Daniel Weber who had an interesting story back in the 1800s about a guy selling his soul to the devil. Or you watch that Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago in a Super Bowl where a guy is getting ready to sign away his life for some car till he finds out that that car is on sale and he can afford it without selling his life to the devil. The reality is, is nobody sells their soul to the devil because here's what I want you to understand. If you don't know Jesus, you already belong to him. There's no selling your soul to him. You already belong to Satan. Do you understand another term for salvation is that you are redeemed. Redeemed from what? You are bought with a price because of Jesus from the slave markets of sin. Who? Guess who the slave owner is? 
Satan. See, Jesus says the world is made up of two types of people. You're either a child of the kingdom or a child of the wicked one. Now, here's the implications of that. And this is where we don't like to think about this, but I'm going to be honest with you. So I want you to think about, on an average day, the people that you come in contact with. Family, your neighbors, your friends, the people you work with, they either are a child of the kingdom or they're a child of the wicked one. I'm just being honest with you. That's where it's at. Not everybody's going to be okay. We're going to see that here in a moment. They either belong to God or they don't belong to God. But we don't like to think that way. Do you understand? what? We don't like to think that way. But that's the reality. They either belong to God or they don't belong to God. They belong to God by faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he's done, or they don't. And if they don't, they belong to who? Satan. Now Jesus goes on and he's going to explain the significance of that when he talks about the end of the world. Look with me. I want you to notice what he says. Verse 39, halfway through. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels who will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, the wicked will be gathered together and judged. The wicked will be gathered together and judged. Now, when I read that to you, notice what it says there. He will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Some of you would say, okay, well, he's going to gather all the evil people, all the people who've done really bad things. And yeah, I can understand. They're going to be sent to hell. Let me explain to you what God is offended by and what he means by when he says lawlessness. It includes what we just said, what we normally assume, but it goes beyond that. It's a very broad term. God is offended at people who don't accept him for who he is and who don't accept his son as Messiah. That offends him. Those who practice lawlessness. Do you know who practice lawlessness? Any guy can have a clue who practice lawlessness? That's every single one of us. Every time you do wrong, you practice lawlessness. We say, well, I'm trusting in Jesus. Well, yeah, you're trusting in Jesus. That means you're going to have heaven. But I want you to understand, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. Because everybody breaks God's spiritual laws. So the wicked will be gathered together and judged. When will that take place? All the way in the future. In fact, there's a passage that describes it. It's actually a passage that one of our Bible studies went through this Sunday. It's Revelation chapter 20. If you want to, turn there. Last book of the Bible. Turn to chapter 20. Now this is the judgment of the wicked. I'll explain that to you in a moment. John, the apostle, writes... Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and from those who faced the earth, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it, 
And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake. Here's the second point I want you to see. Their judgment results in being cast into the lake of fire. People whose names are not found in the book of life. Who's that, children of the king? The book of life. How do you get your name in the book of life? You accept by faith and follow Jesus. The reality is, is that they're going to hell. You say, this, this judgment, George, is it, is it just for the wicked? Yeah, because earlier in the chapter, it describes the thrones being set up and, and the reward that happens for those who made it through the tribulation. You say, okay, like somebody just asked me this week, what about those who were born during the millennium? Well, when we talk about being rewarded, when you talk about being rewarded by the king, Matthew chapter 24 gives an interesting story about the parable of the talents. And that while the master is away, we are given responsibility. And when he comes, he rewards those who have been given responsibility. Now, after that point, when he comes back, he's with believers all along. So he rewards them all along. So the reward for believers happens from the moment Jesus comes back to where he's with them all the time. But the great judgment, that's for the lost, the children of the wicked. And guess what they're judged for? Not because of the deeds they did, but what does it say? Because their names were not found where? In the book of life. One more thing I want you to see in this passage, back in Matthew chapter 13. It's about the children of the king. The children of the kingdom will have prominence in God's kingdom. The children of the kingdom will have prominence. Jesus says that in Matthew 13, that they will shine. Notice what it says there. Matthew 13, verse 43. The righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Now, it's not saying that you become a little sun in the sky and that you shine on the kingdom. That's not what it's talking about. But rather, what it's talking about is that you, in your glory, in the new body that you will have, in, in, in the reward that you will have, you will have prominence in the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? You feel like you have prominence now? Do people walk downtown and know who you are? Maybe some do in a small town, but really? Do they really? But in the kingdom, you'll have providence. Why? Because you're a child of the king. Okay, let's stop. Let's wrap this all up here. Let's try to bring it to a conclusion. Remember what I told you was the assumption? The assumption that we operate on is that everybody's going to make it. That is a wrong assumption. Jesus just showed us here in this parable. That's not true. And if you've bought that, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Biblically, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you that if you bought that, even subtly bought that, that's affecting you and the people around you. Why? Because if you buy the lie that everybody's going to make it, you're not going to be concerned for them. Did you hear what I'm saying? You're not going to be bothered by whether or not they know Jesus or not. Because everybody's going to make it. So if you're not bothered about whether or not they know God or not, whether they're a child of the kingdom or whether they're a child of the wicked one, if you don't seem bothered by that, you're not going to try to, number one, pray for them that they would understand and see, or number two, 
take the opportunities when they are presented, and the opportunities will be presented for you to share with them about who? Jesus. Not about going to church. Let me just stop for a moment. We're not talking about getting people to go to church because you can go to church and still be a child of the wicked one. Everybody understand that? It's about whether or not they know Jesus as the Lord of the universe and Savior of their souls. Do you understand? And see, if you embrace that lie that everybody's going to make it, you're not going to be concerned for them. You know what? In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. When you and I who know Jesus go to be with him and we're in the kingdom, I think there is going to, we're going to have a shock. I think we're going to be shocked initially. What do you mean? What are you talking about, George? I think we're going to be shocked when we realize, listen to me, when we realize who's not there. And when we realize that they're not there and we had many opportunities to what? Pray for them, share with them about Jesus because we assumed that everybody was going to make it. I think that's the problem we're at in our country today. Is that too often the church just thinks that everybody's okay in America. Folks, we're not. So let me give you some thoughts here. Let me give you something that I need you to consider. I need you to to process. I need you to really do. And you have a section in your in your bulletin there if you want to write these down. It says conclusion. Okay? Here's the first one. It's time to wake up to the reality that not everyone is going to be okay. It's time to wake up to that reality. It's kind of like we've been lulled to sleep for the last so many years. I'm even talking about myself. It's time to wake up to the reality that not everyone's going to be okay. Folks, it's time for George to wake up that I got family members who don't know Jesus and they're not going to be okay. It's time for George to wake up that he's got neighbors on his street who don't know Jesus and they're not going to be okay. It's time for George to wake up that a significant portion of Kerwinsville doesn't know Jesus, and they're not going to be okay. It's time for George to wake up that there is a significant portion of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that does not know Jesus, and they're not going to be okay. It's time for George to wake up to the reality that a large portion of the people of our world don't know Jesus, and they're not going to be okay. It's time for you to wake up. Time for you to wake up. How are we doing as a church? It's been a long time since we had a baptism where somebody said, I'd follow Jesus. We're not doing too good, are we? Baptisms are on the decline across denominations in America today. People are not doing okay. Why? Because we've just assumed that everybody's going to be okay. It's a lie from the enemy. Here's the second thing I want you to think about. 
It's time to own up to your responsibility as a child of the kingdom. It's time for you and I to own up to our responsibility as a child of the kingdom. Now, when I say that, when I say about owning up to your responsibility, I'm not talking about that all of a sudden you should start walking around with a huge Bible like your grandma has on her coffee table, walk around, be ready to share the Word of God with everybody. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you pray for your friends, you look for opportunities when they arise, and they will arise for you to point them to who? Jesus. It's time for me to be concerned about whether or not they know who? Jesus. Because if they don't, there's nobody knows how long they'll live, do they? Whose responsibility is it? Well, I hope their neighbor knows Jesus. Folks, you are their neighbor. It's time for us to own up to our responsibility as a child of the king. You ever notice something? Have you noticed something? Years ago, I can remember when I first became a Christian, Billy Graham was still doing crusades. How many of you remember that? 30 years ago, Billy Graham was still doing crusades, right? Still was on the TV, still would come. You know, have you noticed Billy, Billy's, Billy's old now. I mean, he's old. And, 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 and for some reason, God's not taking him home yet. But he, he's no longer doing that. Have you noticed God didn't raise up anybody else yet? I think there's a reason. Because it's easy to rely upon Billy to reach the masses so that we don't have to. Who's going to reach this generation? It's our responsibility. And the largest group that is growing in America is not the Muslims. Can, I, can we get that one out of the world? Okay, They've got to do the stuff for the national security. I understand that. But the greatest threat to America is not the Muslims as far as what we believe. It's people who believe nothing. The greatest growing group in America are the nothings. They mark themselves as down. Not that they're atheists. They just say they don't believe anything. And you know what age group they are? 18 to 30. That happens to be the group that's most missing from our what? Churches today. It's time to own up to my responsibility. It's time for you to own up to your responsibility as a child of the kingdom. Now here's the thing. You know, as I share this, I know that this is how the Holy Spirit works. He's bringing to mind faces, bringing to mind names of people who are around you. And God is reminding you, they don't know, they don't know, they don't know. You say, okay, George, what do I do with that? First thing you do is, God, I pray that you would open their eyes so that they could see. And then you pray, God, if you would be gracious, give me opportunities to share with them because they need to know you because they're not okay.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.